Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. So the train is always going to keep moving. It's just your choice at what point you want to get on it. This is Property Investry where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we continue our conversation with James Rankin, a successful property developer and buyer's agent working out of Melbourne. You'll hear about his investment and development strategies, his unique role in the Melbourne marketplace and his mentors and resources that coached him through his property journey. To start with, Rankin shares so many strategies around acquiring land for development. These days, Google Maps make things a lot easier. Um, you know, being able to look at a, a suburb in a great overview. But I had maps drawn up, so I've got all these, you know, big A1 maps printed off with all the zoning put on them, and then also with the uh, drainage, so drainage maps of of where things are going. So that sort of gives you an idea of where all of these things are coming from or the infrastructure that's going into a site or in, into an area. So you can follow it as well with the um, with the developer credits or contributions. So there's overlays that you can download that show the development contribution plan. And if you can highlight those areas, that's obviously where the government wants to spend money in. So if you look at sites in those areas, then you're going to be... Um, you're going to be well sorted. So they're sort of like what they call what target growth corridors. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, it's more. It comes down to site identification. Like the hardest thing in a developer's, I, I guess, day is trying to find a site. It's easy. There's companies out there that are specifically set up to help you once you've identified a site. But finding that site, you know, it's one in a thousand. You you'll go through fifty sites before you find one. And that's, um, you know, it just it comes down to identification and obviously purchasing it for the right price. So we'd just look at and, it, you know, understanding how town, town planning works as well. So, you know, a particular estate or sorry, a particular council might work one way and they might be pro-developed in an, in an area. But then, you know, you go down this other street and they're totally against any sort of development in there. So you've got to, you know, understand or 
see where the trends are to help identify site and ones that could possibly be changed in, in the zoning as well. He explains some of the difficulties of finding a good development site. It probably comes back to price these days. And most, most developers know how to jump on Google Maps and look for sites, but that's no, a no-brainer um, if you're in that space. But yeah, it's getting in touch with the, the landowner. Some of them don't want to deal with de- developers direct because they think they're missing out on money. Um, so they'll put it to agents. And yeah, the other the other thing as well is that um, yeah the the price point. We've had a pretty significant growth in those um, in those sites with plans. So you know every man and his dog was getting together site plans and uh, permits for those actual blocks. But a developer doesn't want that because the, all the profits gone. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty easy to work back once you know what construction costs are to see what you need to purchase the development at per site. So if you've got 10 unit site and if that didn't have permits on it, say you're going to get it for a million bucks, so 100 grand a site, and then someone's gone and got permits and now they want 1.4, well, there's all your profit. That's gone. You know what I mean? So these guys, they've gone out, got the permits because they've been told by an agent to. Now they can't sell it because a developer knows what it's worth, but it's not. You know, all the profits been eaten up because you're trying to get too much for the site. Rankin discusses the near future for development. Well, these days it's going to, well, yeah, moving forward, the next two years, three years are going to be pretty good buying for developers. Um, I've already heard a few stories where, you know, speculators can't settle sites. Um, so there will be a bit of a change in the market because you can't get the can't get the money like, like you used to be able to. So, you know, they'll there were groups coming together, putting in all their credit cards and whatnot, and then just purchasing sites or at least paying the deposit and then hoping that they could get plans and permits and flip it, sell it to some Chinese developer or someone trying to land bank or whatever it might be. Those guys are gone. So all of these speculators that have gone out and purchased sites, even right down to house and land packages, you know, you hear the hear the stories of foreigners coming over here or new people to the to the country putting their money together to go and buy five blocks or at least pay for the deposit and now they can't settle them. They're saying, you know, house and land packages or new greenfield sites are going to drop by about 10% in the in the prices because these guys can't settle them. So, yeah, there's going to be that in the development space as well and there'll just be better, better buying opportunities and then it'll all, you know, just do a big circle. As a buyer's agent, he explains how this principle helps him in the current market. That's it. So getting geared up to purchase in the next couple of years, that, that is, is the main, uh, main key. So trying to work out the lending side of it, there's a few larger developers now that have set up private equity. So you can go to them to get finance for projects and they've got a, you know, a really good understanding of what a, what a project costs to run. So, you know, it's a lot easier to show them, Hey, look, I've sold X amount. You know, I need the rest to, to complete the project. So, yeah, there's more and more of that money coming through and that that will open the doors again to uh, help people purchase and complete sites. But, um, yeah, I guess that's sort of, sort of where it's headed. In addition to being a buyer's agent, Rankin has a very interesting side role in his business, which he explains is very useful to vendors. I've got the buyer's agency side of it. I will do vendor advocacy as well, so be that in between the agent and the and the seller 
So hence why I need to sort of, you know, freshen up on, on the current trends of the market and see what, what guys are doing um, because I, I want to yeah, help people sell as well so, and sell correctly. So you, you'd become basically both real estate agent and um, buyer's agent then. Would that be the case? Yeah, it's not a real estate agent because I won't actually sell it. But say it's a, a divorced couple and they can't settle on a real estate agent. So, you know, the husband saying, I want this real estate agent and the wife saying, I want this real estate agent. They can't settle on anything. So they'll get a vendor advocate and they'll come in the middle, go and interview all the agents and say, okay, cool, here's the short list. I reckon this guy's the best in the in the area. What do you guys reckon? And because it's brought in from a third party, they can generally decide and say, yeah, cool, James has said that that guy's good. We'll, we'll agree on that. And it just sorts a lot of things out. Um, it also is a benefit to the selling agent because they don't have to sell themselves to the, uh, the seller when they've got an offer. You know what I mean? It's going to come through the vendor advocate and the vendor advocate has the trust or the rapport with the, the sellers and then they're going to be able to present the offer and say, hey, look, this is actually a true offer. What do you guys think? And they can advise on it. If you've never heard of a vendor advocate, you aren't alone. Blows my mind that no one knows about it. It absolutely blows my mind that no one knows what a vendor advocate is. So if you, if you live in Melbourne, everyone has heard the ads on the radio, but no one knows what it is. So a huge thing for me is to educate, um, especially the younger market, as to what we actually do. So what the buyer's agents do and what the vendor advocates do. So a vendor advocate doesn't cost anything more. It's, it's, a, um, yeah, it's no additional cost to the seller because we share, share the commission with the selling agent. So that's how it works. Um, we do you know, a lot of the work with the actual seller so the agent doesn't have to and that's why we take a commission or take a, a percentage of their commission. He expands on why he thinks this role is so important. Having a professional or a third opinion is, is exactly why you'd use a vendor advocate because even though, look, there's a lot of good agents out there, it's nothing to do with agents but there's a lot of bad agents as well. So it's just to help you or help the seller get in touch with the good agents in that area. Even if the one that has been knocking on their door for the last six years, you know, they think that they're their friend, but they just want the listing. You know what I mean? So who's going to hold them accountable? If you've never sold a property before, if you've held this property for the last 30 years, how do you know what the processes are to make this agent actually work for their money? So having a vendor advocate on your side is going to make that agent accountable. They're going to know what the processes are to, to keep in contact with them so they can set the boundaries and say, hey, look, I want to be called every day until this property is sold. So they can help negotiate the fee as well. So even though it's not about the percentage because I would rather use an agent that's got a high percentage, not for my benefit, but generally those are the good guys, right? The, the ones that don't want to just drop their fee to 1% um, are usually the guys that know the area and they, they value what they're worth and what they charge. So, yeah, it's not always about the dollar figure, but how that dollar figure gets there. You know, it might be uh, an incentive-based percentage or whatever it might be. Like all these little things, again, that most sellers don't even know about, that's when a vendor advocate can be very useful. And a lot of people don't want to deal with an agent. A lot of people don't even want to deal with the process of interviewing agents. 
So they might be overseas or they simply don't want to do it. You know what I mean? If it's a, if it's a, an older couple and they just don't have any idea about what questions they need to ask an agent or even bringing them into their home, that's when you'll get a, a third-party vendor advocate to line up all of those agents and essentially interview them, shortlist them, take them through the property and then help them select one. It's almost like a, an agent for an agent. <laughs> well, the, the best way to explain it is when you go, when you want to get a loan, most people go to a broker, right? So they're a broker of banks. A vendor advocate is a broker of real estate agents. There's a role that so few know about. It certainly affects the marketplace and the agents who work in it. It does sort of um, become that disruption. It's not new. Agents definitely know about vendor advocates. I'm, I'm not too sure about in other states, but definitely in Melbourne, they're very common. Um, but I shouldn't say they're very common because I don't know what the percentage is that people use them. But when I bring it up, 90% of people don't even know what a vendor advocate is. So, yeah, I would assume 90% of people selling out there don't don't use one. Um, so, it will be growing as um, you know the awareness gets out there. That it's a it's a good service for for vendors. Look, I, I could imagine agents don't like it. Yeah, but um, yeah, look, the good agents they they're, they're going to get on well because they've got nothing to hide. You know what I mean? And it's um, I'm not going to be, I guess, a pain to the agent unless they're doing their job. Rankin decides why he decided to enter into property development and build his portfolio before starting up his business in Melbourne. Pretty much. For, flex, for flexibility, so I've always I've always wanted to work for myself, and um, yeah, building up a little bit, bit of a base. So I did that while I was working for others because it is hard to lend when you're running your own business. So yeah, the last sort of five years, I really pushed to to get as much as I could under my belt, and then yeah, made the jump over to, to go and start my own business, and that's. That's why I've created it because now I can sort of say, well, yeah, if the business takes me two years to build, at least I've got those properties that will hopefully continue to grow and um, I can just focus on the business. If I had have done it the other way around, like tried to start the business, I would have been stressing that I was sort of going to miss out a bit of that FOMO during that period while I was building the business and I wouldn't have yet purchased anything, you know what I mean? So, um that's why I jumped in as soon as I could to, to get those properties under my belt and now I can focus on the business. And, yeah, I'm looking to purchase something on terms at the moment, so, you know, a two, two-year settlement. So that's going to really push me to make sure that everything's sorted in two years with the business that I'll, that I'll be able to settle it. Excellent, excellent. So how many properties have you currently got in your portfolio? So four in, four in there at the moment. And uh, yeah, with this other one, hopefully, hopefully we're looking to purchase um, will be for us, which will be a knockdown rebuild site. He also explains his portfolio in a little more detail. We started off um, with a, like one that we lived in, so our um, PPOR, and now that's turned into an investment. So we're essentially rent vesters. Um, yeah, so all of those four are investment properties, two were off the plan, the other two were, um, one was existing and the other we just built ourselves. So, yeah, that's on a 600 square meter block with a, you know, 30-ish square house on it that we built and then, yeah, the other two were, were off the plan. 
Stay tuned as after the break, we'll hear about why Rankin has been so driven towards property from a young age. Yeah, that was the main driver behind it all is because I wanted to work in the space and I, I didn't see myself being a traditional real estate agent. The prize books and resources that encourage Rankin on his journey. You know, just really good stuff with lead gen and um, yeah, if you're in that side of the business, you, you have to jump on board. Some of the best advice he's ever received. So, the best advice is to, I guess, just do it. That's, um, you know, we can all sit there and say, oh, you know, it'd be nice to do this, it'd be nice to do that. All this and much more after the break. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types. One with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Hey podcast listeners, have you got cash or equity that is currently unused sitting in a bank account that could be invested into a property asset to generate a greater return? If the answer is yes, then register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. When you become a money partner with me, it enables you to receive opportunities to get a minimum of 20% plus returns on your cash or equity. To find out more, visit propertyinvestory.com. Now back to the show. Having been driven towards property from a young age, Rankin discusses the main reason behind his current work. Because of my love for property and wanting to do it every day um, as, as a job, the that yeah that was the main driver behind it all is because I wanted to work in the space and I I didn't see myself being a traditional real estate agent so when I heard about buyers agency probably about oh, four years ago on a on a podcast on a development podcast I was like that's a really interesting job and it sort of always stuck with me and um, yeah working at the the last my last job I had a little bit more time to look into it and that just really sparked my interest and that's where I wanted to head and, and now this is what I want to do. Like this is a lifelong career for me. I, I really see myself just, just doing it for as long as I can because, you know, honestly, 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 I would do the job for free. If I was set up and I could do whatever I wanted, I would no doubt just help people purchase property because it's, it's something I love doing. Rankin's early working years allowed him to meet important mentors for his career. The two guys that I worked with or went to work for originally, they're, I guess, they're my main mentors. Um, I am chasing them. They're, they're my goal. So, one I still play golf with quite regularly. I play at least once a week with him and we're always talking about stuff. You know, he's still an active developer. He's still purchasing stuff and I'm, I'm always talking to him saying, hey, how's this site going? 
they're now moving into subdivisions, so they were always about, you know, build form. They've got to complete the unit site, but then they've come to the realisation that they don't have to spend the extra $10 million. They'll just do a subdivision and sell them off as lots, and, um, yeah, it's a lot less out of pocket for them. So, yeah, it's, um, it's I guess, having those guys, and they've been extremely successful, like, you know, came from absolutely nothing. One's, a, one's from England. The other guy was, you know, single single mother, and then just created all him, created it all himself, and uh, yeah, he's done very, very well. So yeah, I guess they're my target, and I'm I'm trying to chase them down. He named some books and resources that he believes helped him on his journey. I've just finished um, a Ryan Serhant book, which is it's more based around sales, and just about to start the Frederick Eklund one, which is from Million Dollar Listing. Both those guys. Um, mainly from the business side of things. But, yeah, I, I do listen to a ton of podcasts. So I listen to, obviously, obviously your podcast and a few American ones as well. So, yeah, the um, I've just joined up with Tom Panos, oh, yes. which is uh, the real estate gym. Yeah, with and he's got, he's, yeah, he's got some unbelievable content, even from being on the other side of it. Just, you know, just really good stuff with lead gen and um, – yeah, if you're in that side of the business, you have to jump on board to that. It's it's cheap as chips for the info, for the information on there. Rankin gives you the best advice he's ever received. So, the best advice is to, I guess, just do it. That's um, you know, we can all sit there and say, oh, you know, it'd be nice to do this. It'd be nice to do that. But unless you're actually doing something you're never going to be involved and you're never going to profit from it essentially and, and make your life better. So the train is always going to keep moving. It's just your choice at what point you want to get on it. It does. like, um, And, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. So there's, there's never that property that's going to be 100%. You know what I mean? So you've got to sort of work out once it hits 70 to 80% and you're comfortable with it, that's that's when it's time to push go because otherwise you'll miss out on it. Something will change in the market, someone else will buy it and you'll just miss out. So, yeah, being, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just got to be good enough uh, to make you push the button. He shares his personal habits that have contributed to his success. I get up really early. So, I get up at about 4.30 most mornings. Pretty, I try to do it, you know, at least five days a week. And uh, and that just helps me knock a lot of stuff out in the day. And I, I picked up this habit, which is just do five critical tasks every day so that you're moving forward. So Monday through Sunday, I'll write five tasks that I have to do. So on a Saturday or, Saturday or Sunday, it might be spend time with my girlfriend or whatever it might be. As long as it's those little things that is helping you move forward. So on a, on a weekly basis, it'll be go to the gym, drink you know, four liters of water, read 10 pages of a book, and then it might be two business things. So it might be, you know, make 25 LinkedIn connections and make 10 phone calls to new to new people. So I do those things day in, day out, and then I'm, I know I'm moving forward each day. So that, that's probably my best habit at the moment. That's excellent. I think um, we all put too much on our plates and by focusing on, say, five critical things like the most important things it really helps us move forward because at the end of the day if you have too many like just like me i procrastinate and i just don't do anything 
it's exact. That's everyone's issue. It's like when you haven't been to the gym for two years, and you're like, "Yep, cool, I'm going to go to the gym," and you do every gym equipment in the whole place, and the next day you wake up and you can't even move. You can't get out of bed. Yeah, yeah. The that's same right. thing. It's the same thing when you're trying to work through your goals list or whatever it might be. If you've got sixty things on there. And you're writing it all out going, yep, 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 this is awesome. I'm going to get through all of these. And then you look at it and you go, oh, my God, where do I even start? I'll just do it tomorrow. You know, so it's it's exactly the same thing. You've just got to break them all down, under understand what's going to lead to what. And, you know, dollar productive items as well. So, you know, a bit of triage in there, what, what needs to come first. And then just focus on those things and, and, and just keep going with it. If James Rankin met himself 10 years ago, he'd want to say this. Buy property. Get in, get in earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, that's so, hindsight. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, stop, stop going out. Stop partying. Nah, I, I probably wouldn't because I had a really good, a really good time and that sort of got it out of me and mm. now I'm boring. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> 10, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, I'm in bed. So... Yeah, I'm I'm pretty boring now. But yeah, back then, if you had said, oh, you know, you'll be going to bed at ten o'clock because you want to go buy this property, I would have been like, nah, yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad I got that out of the way. He's now ready for how the changing property market will challenge him in the next few years. With the changes in the climate, like I think it's going to be outstanding buying for the people in the in the right position over the next three years. So that's I'm really excited to help myself and also clients. Um, get into some really good opportunities. Rankin admits he got lucky at the start of his property journey. A lot of luck, a bit of luck has definitely had um, a play in it. But, you know, as the saying goes, you create your own luck. So if I didn't push the button back down that, uh, you know, when I purchased that first property, I wouldn't have been so lucky um, with with where we are at the moment and the, the equity growth, growth that we've had. So I try to use fortunate rather than lucky but uh that that's where it's all sort of come about knowledge didn't really have an impact on it because we just sort of closed our eyes and put our finger on a on a bit of a map and that's where we purchased our first property so yeah there was no skill involved in that it was just a necessity that we had to do it like i was adamant that we're purchasing a property that year and uh i guess that's where the luck's come into it but yeah if we didn't action it at the time, we wouldn't we wouldn't have done anything, and we wouldn't have had the had the growth. He leaves you with some final words about his business. The main difference from us is that because of my construction and development background, I can help people identify those sites and and help them acquire it. You know, with the with the um, the options in in terms, and also the knockdown rebuild sites. Coming from the the building background, I really want to focus and help people select knockdown rebuild sites because there was a lot of instances where people would buy a knockdown site and then go to the builder and the builder said that they can't build on it. So yeah, just identifying those correct blocks that work with that particular builder uh, so that they're not going to overspend and then have to sell the block and buy something else to, to suit the build. So if you'd like to get in contact with James Rankin, here's how to find him. They can connect with me on LinkedIn, James Rankin um, from The Buyer's Edge or they can jump on the website, thebuyersedge.net.au 
And uh, yeah, we've got all our contact details on there. Thank you so much to James Rankin for joining us on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Also, have you got cash or equity that is currently unused sitting in a bank account that could be invested into a property asset to generate a greater return? If the answer is yes, then register interest to become a money partner by SMSing me your email address on 0499881040. When you become a money partner with me, it enables you to receive opportunities to get a minimum of 20% plus returns on your cash or equity. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.